Hey, this is Pastor Ellie, one of the lead pastors of Bold Church. I wanted to say thank you for joining us today. If you want to stay up to date on everything that's happening at Bold Church, want to live stream a service, or find out when our next gathering is, head over to bold.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, good morning. Who is excited for church today? If we have not met, my name is Ali, my beautiful wife and I. We started this place called Bull Church five years ago with a dream. We wanted to create a place where not only Christians could grow in their faith, but listen, unchurched people could come explore their faith. And I want to, before we begin, I want to give you some opportunities to take next steps in our faith community. The first is, as my wife mentioned, next week is baptism. There's actually six people getting baptized, not ten. Well, what I'm trying to communicate is in the last two months, 37 people have said yes to Jesus in our church. And... It's, it's a move of God, and, and, and next Sunday, there will be 10 people that have gone public with their faith. That is unreal. Listen, we are in the most unchurched region in the entire country. 96 to 90 98% of the people in the Bay Area don't know Jesus, don't walk with Jesus. This is a move of God that you're in. Um, and in addition to that, on the 7th, which is a Wednesday, we're doing our team night. This is a, a, a night. Who's part of the dream team? Make some noise. Come on. Nothing in this church happens without the dream team. The teamwork makes the dream work. And this church is not built on the talents of a few, but the sacrifice of many. And the dream team, they have been plowing and pushing and pushing this church forward. Believe me when I say this, it is not built on my wife and I, but on the dream team. And on uh, every quarter, we love to gather as a team. We love to get, get together for a meal and celebrate hear what God has done and where we're going as a church. And it's really for those who call this place home. And if you want to be a part of that night, you got to sign up for Growth Track, which is on the 11th. If you sign up, we'll invite you to that. And then on the 11th of June, after being off for about five, six weeks, groups come back. Anyone excited for groups? Come on. I'm excited. Life change always happens in the context of community. And uh, I'm going to pray before we begin. God, thank you so much, Lord, for what you're doing in our faith community, 37 people, God. 37 people in the last eight weeks, unreal, Lord. And 10 of them have gone public with their faith. We're grateful, God. We're believing for more. Everybody said? In 2017, my wife and I, we, we sat on a couch. There's eight of us. And we prayed, God, would you use a bunch of nobodies? And started church in the most unchurched region in the entire country. And God did it exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. Went from 8 to 25 to 75. In two years, we grew to 200 people. It was crazy. And then COVID happened. And the world changed. And when we came back, let me remind you, we were the most restrictive county in the most restrictive state in the country. Most churches around the country were were back in three weeks or often in three months. We were gone for 60 weeks. I remember when we came back, we we couldn't even gather at the Hotel Valencia. It's the only church you can get Gucci and Jesus in the same day. You're welcome. Look fresh and go to heaven. Come on. But when we returned, it wasn't the world was different. Our church was different. It was painful. 2021 felt like a punch in the stomach to me. It's when depression hit. I talked about this last week. But if I'm honest, 2022 was harder than 2021. 
Because in 2021, it's like, oh, the world's going to change next year. It will open up again. And then in 2022, it didn't. We knocked on the door of 100 buildings in San Jose. And no one would let us in. And on more nights than I'm honestly willing to admit, I'd wake up in a cold sweat, almost having a panic attack, anxiety. I'm like, I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to be having this anxiety. I'm paid to be good. I'm not good for nothing like you guys. I can't lie up here. And I remember there was this one night where I couldn't sleep and I began to preach to myself. It's a leadership principle. You got to preach the gospel sometimes to yourself. And I, I preached 1 Thessalonians 5. says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all for the Lord is near. Be anxious about nothing. And when I said that verse to myself, let me be honest, I got pissed off. I said, God, is that even possible to not be anxious? Have you seen the price of eggs, God? Have, have you seen how much gasoline costs? Target is now coming after our kids. This world is cray-cray right now. How can you not have anxiety, Lord? And if you're here this morning and you're feeling overwhelmed, I want to let you know it's okay. Last week I spoke about depression. 20% of Americans experience depression. Let me speak about anxiety for a moment. In 2019, two out of three Americans, for those of you that went to public school, that's 60%. I'm just trying to make you laugh. Make sure you're paying attention. Said they were anxious or extremely anxious. That was the year before COVID. It's gone up since. And if you were born around the year 2000, Gen Z, watch what the statistics say about you. 91% of high schoolers or college students report consistent and significant levels of anxiety associated with stress. You may use the iPhone better than all of us, but you're more stressed out than all of us. And I mentioned this last week, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, and so my solution is going to be very different than a, a therapist or, or a psychologist. I'm a pastor. I'm going to give you spiritual solutions. And anxiety is a very complex issue. It's a spectrum. It's not a, a, a single emotion that you feel. And there are people in this room, you're on various stages of anxiety. For some of you, it's occasional. Occasional. Occasional is, it's for an event. You're on a first date, a big test at school, a big presentation at work. You're on a third round interview and you don't want to mess up. I remember the first time I spoke in front of 5,000 people, I could not sleep. But the moment it passed, the anxiety was gone. We all experience this. Then it becomes a little bit more intense, what I call minor anxiety. This is not an event. This is a season. This is when you, a spouse loses a job or a child walks away from the Lord or the doctors say you have a sickness that isn't going to go away and there's a new normal you have to live with. And it's difficult and it doesn't go away with prayer and the third is what I call major anxiety this is where it's it feels crushing it's debilitating you can't even normally function you don't eat the same you don't sleep the same it's like the world is it's going to crush you a 
And no matter where you are on the spectrum, I want to speak some hope to you today. Because statistically speaking, 60% of us, us, not you, us, deal with this. God cares. And God's got a solution. God allowed me to go through 18 months of depression and anxiety, which is why we're teaching on health is wealth. So the collection of talks all about all things mental health. And the title of today's talk is simply this, When Anxiety Attacks. What are you going to do? It's coming. It's not if it's come, it's, it's when it's coming. It comes for all of us. I'm so thankful that our God has a solution. Let me just pray real quick one more time. God, thank you so much that you hear the cries of your people, that you're a good God, that we can cast our cares upon you, Lord, that you want to renew our minds. You want to do a healing work within us, God. Teach us your word, God. Allow your presence to come and bring restoration. God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to walk in one way, but walk out another. We want to love like you. We want to talk like you. We want to live like you. We want to look more like Jesus. And if you believe that, everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Make some noise for Jesus. If you're ready for God's word, someone say, I'm ready. I'm going to teach you a story about a man in the Bible who experienced very traumatic stress. It was debilitating for him, actually. And he's one of the most godly leaders in the Bible. And you need to understand that Israel is a, a godly nation. They're the people of God. And so they don't just need a good leader. They need a spiritual leader. Unfortunately, Israel was not just led by average leaders. They're often led by poor leaders or selfish leaders or ungodly leaders. And Jehoshaphat, someone say Jehoshaphat. You're not praying in tongues. Don't worry. It just sounds crazy. Jehoshaphat was this very godly leader during a time where Israel was not very godly. And he experiences very traumatic trauma. Watch what happens. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, after this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meonites, and even the Mosquito Bites came. <laughs> Just making sure you're paying attention. And they declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazon Tamar. And imagine this is what a, a spiritual picture of what looks like life. If it was just our car breaking down, we could handle it. If it was just our kids acting crazy, we could handle it. It's not one issue, it's three issues. It's our boss is awful, our marriage is falling apart, and our kids won't go to bed. It's, it's our, our parents are constantly on our back, and my, my friends are as well. It's not one issue, it's, it's a plethora of issues. And that same article I read where 91% of Gen Z is experiencing anxiety, the same article wrote that it's the most anxious generation in American history. And they mentioned this is why they are the most educated of every, any generation, yet with the least clear path to what we would call success. So they're the most educated, but they have the most student loans. They're the most educated, but the most underemployed. They, they can't buy a house because interest rates are the highest in 30 years. So not only is home ownership delayed, but family life is delayed. And then they look at their parents like, how can I ever achieve the things that they did? And they have no clear sign of success, so they experience great anxiety. The reason why I tell you that is anxiety and, and pressure is not something working people experience. Even high schoolers experience this. And what makes matters worse is when you finally share your pain and your anxiety to a Christian friend, 
And unfortunately, sometimes they Ned Flanders you. For those of you that know the Simpsons, there's, there's this character called Ned Flanders, and he's super spiritual. And he's always like okily-dokily and highly-ho neighbor. And he can lose his cat, lose his job, lose everything, and he's always happy. And it doesn't matter if he's suffering, he's more godly than God. And that's the joke of the Simpsons is that Ned Flanders it doesn't even act like a Christian. He acts fake. It's, it's unreal. You can't, no one lives that way. And someone, you share your anxiety and they go, but you're a Christian. Don't you know Jesus? Don't you have enough faith? Why are you struggling with anxiety? And not, not only do you have anxiety, now, now you have guilt. Now you have shame for even opening up. Now you don't even tell anyone anymore, which compounds the anxiety. And I need to renew your mind around anxiety. Anxiety, listen to this, is not a sin. It's not. How do I know this, Pastor Ali? How do you know? Because Jesus experienced anxiety, yet never sinned. For those of you that are coming, maybe exploring faith here, you're wondering, are we about good teachings or maybe a good prophet? No, no, no. We're about Jesus. God in the flesh. We don't follow a man. We follow the only man who called his death and then resurrected. Muhammad's in the grave. Buddha's in the grave. Jesus is the only one. And that's why we listen to him. Because he came back from death. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before, they took his life. Listen, let me rephrase that. He laid down his life willingly. He was sweating drops of blood. Medical doctors say, say well, that only happens under extreme anxiety. Jesus had anxiety. Yet never sinned. I need to encourage you. Then what is it, Pastor Ali? If it's not a sin, listen, it's a sign. It's a signal. Your body's trying to tell you something. In the same way when you're driving your car and the check engine light comes on, you don't donate your car to Goodwill. I'm done. You don't cuss your car out. You take it to a mechanic because your car's telling you something's off. It's still a good car. You just got to fix it. When your soul has anxiety, it's the check engine light saying something's off. What do you do, though, Pastor Ali, when, when I feel anxiety? Well, you got to do three things. The first thing, when anxiety signals, you got to, number one, it's time to pray. Someone say it's time to pray. Jehoshaphat, this very, very godly man, he's overwhelmed. I'm going to read it to you in a moment. He's overwhelmed with anxiety. And his life, he models what we should do when anxiety comes. Read with me, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3. Jehoshaphat was terrified. Someone say terrified. Every detail the Bible puts is to help us, not to shame him, but to show you that there will be moments in life where you are terrified as well. Terrified by this news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone to, in Judah to begin fasting. I would love for the President of the United States to call a fast one day. Come on. Sometimes you got to solve Physical problems with spiritual solutions. So all the people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. I need you to see this man experiences anxiety, but it's not a sin. It's a signal to pray and watch his prayer. It's so powerful. Starting at verse 5, Jehoshaphat stood before the community. He's praying this prayer in front of the nation, not in his prayer closet. Before the community of Judah and Jerusalem, in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord, he prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors. Listen, you know how to pray these pithy, awesome prayers. You can say, God help. <laughs> you can be basic like me. God help. You alone are God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. 
Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? He's not reminding who God who he is. He's reminding himself who God is. Oh, God, and did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here, built this temple to honor your name. They said, whatever we face, we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We cry out to you, save us, and you will hear and rescue us. I want to encourage some of you, when you experience anxiety, it's not a sin, it's a time to pray. God, I'm overwhelmed. God, I don't know what to do. This job situation, my marriage, my kids are not walking with God. God, my finances are falling apart. I don't know what to do. And you can come, and God is so good. He's so faithful. He hears the cry of his people, amen? It's not a sin, it's a signal. I need you to show you this book because it's going to change your life. It's by a doctor named Caroline Leaf. She is one of the leading doctors in the country, and she's a spirit-filled Christian. Let me read you her bio because for for, for, for many of us, our bio is not this cool. Watch this. She's a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with a master's degree and PhD. She double dipped that right there. Master's degree in communication pathology and a bachelor's, this is crazy, logopathics, specializing in cognitive metacognitive neurology. I'm good at Legos. This woman's genius, okay? I'm just trying to like point, we're not on the same level. And look what she says about prayer. Look at this quote. It's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent it can be measured on a brainwave. Let me just encourage some of you. Prayer doesn't just touch the heart of God. It changes the chemistry of your brain. It's on the screen. See, the way that God wired you, the way he designed you is when you think a thought, the second time you think it, it becomes easier. And that's good news if you think good thoughts, that I'm called, that I'm anointed, that I'm craved for good works. It becomes easier. It becomes embedded in you. The problem is when you be, we begin to think bad thoughts, when you begin to think thoughts of anxiousness, thoughts of fear, those thoughts become easier and easier to think, and they become embedded in you. And so what happens is the crazy cycle gets stuck within you. So what do you do when you're constantly negative, when you're constantly anxious? The good news is scientists say that we can change our brain. They say it's neuroplasticity. The Bible says you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Come on. This isn't looking in the mirror and say, you're awesome. You're a snowflake. This is you getting in his presence and saying, God, I I need your help. I don't know what to do. I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. There's a part of your brain called the amygdala. Someone say amygdala. It's about the size of an almond, and it's the warning, the trigger part of your brain. So let's say, for, for example, some of you ladies know this. When you're walking at night to your car and you see a creeper across the street, your brain goes, warning, run, run, run. What's that? You, where did you? Your mom never taught you to do that. It's your brain warning you danger's coming. Some of you fellas, when you're out hiking, you're out in the woods, and you hear footsteps in the woods, you don't think it's a little cute bunny rabbit. It's a lion, tiger, or bear, oh my, right? And when that part of the brain is triggered, it's anxiety telling you to, you're in danger. The problem is that when you constantly think these negative thoughts, that part of your brain is constantly being triggered. And you're living in a state of emergency. It's unhealthy. It's unhealthy. 17 times in the New Testament, there's this word, Mary now. 
Mary now. It's the best way to describe it is give you a visual picture. Imagine this is my life, the part of my life that just overwhelms me. The problem is I'm dwelling on it. I'm pondering it. I'm carrying it. You know why anxious people are always tired? Because they're carrying things they shouldn't be carrying. Imagine for a moment I would carry this around all day. I'd have to switch hands because this hand would get tired. Then I'd switch hands. And by noon, I'd be exhausted. And some of you have so much energy. You're like, why are you so tired, Pastor Allie? And you, would, you couldn't see me carrying this because I'm carrying it on the inside. But that's why so many people, anxious people are tired. Because you're carrying these fearful thoughts all day long. And this word, this anxious thought, it, your brain, the more you think negative thoughts, the more your brain wants to think it. But the good news is prayer isn't natural. Prayer is supernatural, amen? And prayer does this. Prayer breaks the cycle. Prayer drops that thing. Because anxiety is not a sin. It's a signal that I, I need to stop carrying this thing. I need to stop dwelling on this thing. I need to stop bringing this thing to work, to my home, to my church. I, I need to drop it. Prayer breaks the cycle. Prayer isn't natural. Prayer is supernatural, amen? And this is what Jehoshaphat does. This man, the entire fate of a nation is on his shoulders, and he, the Bible says, not me, he is terrified. Instead of calling all the generals, this man goes to the prayer closet, and he prays. Where do you run when you're overwhelmed? Look at his prayer. We are powerless, God, against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do. I don't know how to heal my marriage. I don't know how to fix my finances. I don't know how to bring my kids home, God. I don't know how to fix my relationship with my mom. My boss overwhelms me, God. I don't know what to do. And watch how he finishes. But we are looking to you for help. You're my only hope, God. I look to you, God, to your power, to your goodness, to your character, to your faithfulness, to, to, to your righteousness. You're the only hope that I have, God. You can work all things for the good of those that love you, Lord. I wrote down like this, don't plan your way out of anxiety, pray your way out of anxiety. All you type A people, you, you see the problem and you come up with a thousand ways to get out of it. Sometimes it's not for you to carry because it's too heavy. You pray your way out of, of anxiety. If I can give you a, a very descriptive way of praying, because it's not just general prayer that God wants to do. There's a very specific word that God associates with anxiety that's different than other kinds of prayer. It's in 1 Peter chapter 5. So imagine I'm, I'm in my chair, and I'm overwhelmed, and I got anxiety. I got two options. Carry this all day and dwell on it, or do what this says. Casting all your anxieties on him. That word casting is a fishing term. Let me give you a visual picture. When a fisherman's in a boat, he grabs the net, and then he throws it. God literally wants you to take your anxiety and throw it to him. I can't anymore, God. You take it. I can't handle my kids, can't handle my neighbors, can't handle my boss, and you th you're literally throwing it to him because you're acknowledging, I can't carry this anymore. You carry it for me, Lord. I'm overwhelmed, Jesus. I, I can't do this. It's not a sin. It's a sign that something in your life is, is off. You don't have the strength. You don't have the intelligence. You don't have the wherewithal to overcome, and that's okay. There are some things in your life you're not strong enough it's okay to say I'm weak, because when you say you're weak, then God is strong. And you're throwing it to him. It's not a sin. It's a sign. Second thing, if you're taking notes, it's time to pause. It's time to pause. See, some of us, if you're like me, anyone in this room, 
pick Strength Finder. Two of you, awesome. On um, Strength Finder, I have one of my top five gifts is what's called Activator. So this entrepreneurial gift. That's why when I was in elementary school, I started a business. When I was in the tech world, I, I, I would write a database. I did all the, it was, I was always starting new things. If you have this gift, you often want to do something. And you'll, you'll cast it to God. And you'll wait 30 seconds. <laughs> as if God's a microwave. Okay, God, you, you're not coming. I'll, I'm going to take over, God. And look what Jehoshaphat does. He models for us what you do in these moments. He says, we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood, someone says stood. They're just standing there. Sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is surrender. Some of you think you have the gift of manipulation and you're going to take over the situation. You're only making it worse. It takes faith to wait. As the men of Judah stood before the Lord, their little ones, their wives, and their children. Imagine the scene. Jehoshaphat feels the weight, the death of all of these people he's leading. The country's in peril. He's surrounded up by one enemy, but three enemies. He's terrified. He prays. And then he just stands there. And there's this awkward silence. What's he doing? And the little kids are like, Dad, is he going to turn on TV? You want to watch a movie? Why are we here? And he just stands there in the presence of God. And it's like, God, what do you want me to do? God's like, be still. Cool. And do what? God says, be still and know that I'm God. There's a knowing that you can't get in worship. There's a knowing you can't get on Sunday. There's a knowing you can't even get, listen, in prayer. It's only when you become silent and still and you're reminded how big God is. He's bigger than your problems. He's big. I don't know what to do, God. I don't have the power. God, my eyes are on you. I'm trying to be still. I'm casting, I'm throwing my problems to you, God. Pastor Allie, if I pray and pause, will my problems go away? Maybe. There have been times where I've been overwhelmed. I, I, I could not stand in front of 5,000 people until I prayed. And God gave me the strength to do it. There are times in the scriptures where God sees a lame person. He sees a person with leprosy. And in a moment, he heals that person. But there's one time in the scriptures where there's this blind man. Jesus put muds on, he puts mud on his eyes and then prays for the man. And he asked, Jesus asked the man, can you see? He goes, I see trees. And then Jesus prays a second time. And then the man sees. Why? Because sometimes it's instant and sometimes it's a process. Sometimes God will heal you instantly of your anxiety. Sometimes it may take, like me, 18 months. There are times where he may... Remove the anxiety. But there are times where you may have to keep praying and he's renewing your mind on who he is. There are times where he, he may instantly heal you, but then there, he may, through a process, change the way you eat and change the way you sleep so that your body is different. He may take you to a place where you've got to forgive your parents for the trauma that they caused. He may cause you to 
release a boss or a friend that has wound, you just are harboring unforgiveness, not realizing how it's affecting your heart. Sometimes it's an instant, but most often than not, it's a process. I wrote down like this. It's always starts with God, is directed by God, and is a result of God. And watch what happens. The whole congregation, all of Israel is standing there. They just prayed, and they're silent, and the Holy Spirit comes and fills one man, and he prays this prayer. First, Second Chronicles 20, verse 15. He, he being this man, said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. I get the worship team to come up. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Someone say, do not be afraid. This is maybe God's word to you in your anxiety. Maybe this is God's word to you in your finances. Maybe this is God's word to you in your marriage. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. Don't be discouraged by your kids, by your bank account, by your marriage, by what's going on at work. Don't be discouraged, for the battle is not yours but God's. The reason why you can't carry it is because you were never meant to fight it. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens up into the wilderness of Jerul. But you will not need to fight. Take your position. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged, but go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Anxiety comes for all of us. Even Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was overwhelmed with anxiety. Don't pretend you're super spiritual and you don't have it. It's not a sin. It's a signal. That first you're, you're called to pray. And then you're called to pause. And finally, you're called to praise. Jehoshaphat does something that some of you in the, the army and maybe ROTC, you're going to find his battle plan weird. He, he prays, and then he pauses, and he goes, okay, guys, I got the game plan. This is how we're going to win. I need the worship team to go out in the battlefield. Say what? Como? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, what guns are we going to give the worship team? No, no, no. Guitar trumpet, even the crazy tambourine lady that every church has. We need to send her out there. I would have sent Vin Diesel, The Rock, maybe Sylvester Stallone, Arnold, because he never dies in seven Terminators, someone. Jehoshaphat doesn't do that. He sends the worship team. He sends the worship team. And the Bible says that the worship team goes out and by faith, before the enemies are defeated, they sing and thank God for their victory. Not after, when they're surrounded, they begin to sing by faith. Because it's easy to sing when your kid comes back home. It's easy to sing when God gives you a job and you've been praying for it. It's easy to sing when you can finally sleep at night, but it takes faith. Someone say faith. See, faith. Praise. When you want to mature in praise, it's easy to praise God for what he does. But God wants you to praise him for who he is. What if he doesn't do it on your timing? Are you going to delay his praise? And Jehoshaphat goes, we're going to do it now. 
They're like, what? This is what God wants us to do. And this is how you attack your anxiety. You say, God, I may be struggling, but I believe my healing is coming. I may, see, I may be in a broken marriage, but you resurrected your son. You can resurrect my marriage. God, the, the prodigal son left, but the dad never stopped praying. I'm believing there's going to be a day I'm going to run to my kids, and they're going to come home to the house of God. It takes faith to praise before they come back, before the marriage is healed, before you, when you're still hurting. Watch what happens. I'm going to get Ethan to come up and sing while I'm talking, because if I sing, you're all going to leave the faith. <laughs> it's true. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for as God had given him rest on every side. I want to teach you This is how we fight our battles. You may be surrounded. Remember when anxiety hit me, when depression, August of 2021, I I carried it for a year. I, I never told, I told my wife, maybe some on the team, but for the vast majority of you, you had no clue. I came every Sunday, who's excited for church? And on the outside, I was good. On the inside, I was dying. And then this last August, I finally said, I got to throw this to God. And I began to fight differently. Sometimes when life gets too hard to stand, kneel. And begin to fight like this. It's countercultural for us who are type A and who want to plan our way out of everything. It takes faith to say, God, I don't have it. I don't have the strength. I don't have the intelligence to solve this. And in the fall of 2022, we, my wife and I just made this decision. No matter what happens, it doesn't matter if we find a place in the morning because we've been doing church for two years at five o'clock. We're going to go until the wheels come off and we're going to worship. And God gave us this building but we praised him before. It takes faith to praise God before he heals you, before the marriage gets better, before he gives you that new job, before he heals your relationship with your parents. You can carry it or you can cast it, but God's there and he cares. And he loves you. And he knows you're going through some stuff. And he doesn't shame you. He says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray for some people in this room who are struggling. For far too long, you've been carrying anxiety. If that's you this morning, maybe your marriage is difficult. Maybe you have anxiety about work. Maybe you have anxiety about your finances. Maybe you have anxiety over a health issue. Maybe you've had anxiety for so long, you don't even know why you have it anymore. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you. God, your people are hurting. 
all across this room. They're anxious. They're overwhelmed. God, I believe, God, as they come to you in prayer and they cast their burdens upon you, sometimes, God, you heal it in an instant. Sometimes, Lord, it's a process. But, God, we're going to do something different. We're not going to wait to thank you until the problem goes away. We're going to praise you right now. So if you raise your hand, could you in your heart, maybe out loud, just begin to thank God, begin to praise him. Thank you, Jesus, that you hear my cries. Thank you, God, that you have a solution. Thank you, God, that even though I'm powerless, you're powerful. Even though I'm faithless, you're faithful. Even though I don't have the strength, you do. God, thank you that I can cast my cares upon you because you care for me. Thank you, Lord. There are others of you in this room. There's a battle going on right now for your heart. It's the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. And the kingdom of darkness hates everything that is godly. Everything that matters to God. And let me tell you right now, you matter to God. God sent his son Jesus, not when we were his friends, but we were his enemies. And Jesus came, he left heaven as God. He was fully man, fully God. He lived a perfect life, a righteous life, a sinless life. And then he died the death on a cross for our mistakes. The Bible calls it sin. We all have sin. You can't sweep it under the rug. You can't do good things to make it go away. The wage of sin is death. And God doesn't want you to die. So he sent his son Jesus to die in your place. And that tug on your heart you're feeling this morning is the Holy Spirit saying, come home. See, I need to tell you, salvation is not a transaction of your sins being forgiven. You're being adopted into a family. And God wants to be your father. And he wants to help carry your burdens. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. So you don't have to carry them alone. Because that's what good dads do. If that's you this morning, and you feel this tug, I need Jesus. I need the love of God. I need the forgiveness of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to count to three. I want you to shoot your hand up. One, two, three. If that's you, just shoot your hand up. Amen. Amen. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Just pray this prayer with me. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Thank you, God. I surrender my life to you, God. All of my life. Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sin. I repent. I turn from my sin. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can know you and show your love. Fight for me, God. Fight my battles that I can't anymore. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we continue, if you can be, if you can stand, I want you to pick up that communion cup on your chair. I want to lead us in a very special sacrament that our Lord and Savior Jesus asked us to do. It's communion. There are two sacraments, baptism and communion. Next week, we'll be celebrating six people going public with their faith. 
for those of you that are followers of Jesus, that this is a sacrament that, that you participate in. If you're still exploring, I would ask you to pause. And for those of you who raise your hand, you take communion. And there's two parts to communion. There's the bread and the blood. The bread represents his body being beaten for us, broken for us, bruised for us. By his stripes, we're healed. If you have that piece of bread, just take it right now by faith. But then Jesus said something powerful. He said this blood is a sign of the new covenant. That God didn't purchase you with crypto or Bitcoin, but by his precious blood, his shed blood. And he did it at a very interesting time. He did it during Passover. Every year for 1,500 years, the Jews, they would kill an innocent lamb and they'd put the blood over their home as a sign that death passes over us. And then Jesus said, no longer, stop doing that. I'm the Passover lamb. That when you place your faith in me, death passes over you. That my blood covers you, covers your sin, covers your mistakes. That my death for you pays your penalty. And you're taking this communion as a remembrance of what Jesus did on behalf of you. Take the, the blood now. God, we just thank you so much, Lord, that you're a father. That we can cast, that we can throw our anxiety upon you, Lord. And you care for us. Thank you for new life. Thank you that you fight our battles. And everybody said. Hey, thank you again for listening to today's message. If you found today's sermon encouraging, inspiring, would you consider subscribing to this podcast? That way you won't miss the next word that's coming. See you next time.